As a performer, your body is there. Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat. Sex, work, extraction, art, theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and capital A, art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform tasks, acts of care, and identities? My hope is that these conversations are a means to speak between intersectionalities by anchoring in common space as sexualized bodies, as racialized bodies, as working bodies, as artistic bodies, and as performative bodies. I see my body as a tool. It's a tool for creating art, for activism. It will change things. It will make things right. Today I'll be sharing a conversation I had with multimedia artist Onso, one of several conversations we had during March of 2021 at Perfocray's International Artist Residency in Kumasi, Ghana. Onso explores his indigenous roots and the way in which society attempts to define and control how bodies look, among other themes. Onso calls himself a plethora because of his indecisive, multidisciplinary, artistic attitude. He's known for photography, videography, performance, painting, and sculpture. I never wanted to work for anybody because it's like you enrolling to be a slave. Yeah, you're never paid more and you work more than the owner. Yeah, more than everybody else, but you're still paid less and they make more money. And the thing is, you never have time to do what you want to do for yourself. In this conversation, we speak about the discrimination Onso receives as a black Ghanaian man wearing dreadlocks and how he uses art as a tool to speak out against this. We explore how Onso distinguishes between painting for art and painting for business and how he's been researching his indigenous practices through painting, finding himself painting things he didn't expect, as well as beginning to understand what it means to have a male gaze. If you don't know your history, you get lost. It will be hard for you to know the real truth. You don't know where you're coming from, so where you will never know where you're going or where you want to reach. So you were starting to tell me about your art practice. Of course, I, I do consider myself as an artist because being an artist is like being an activist, trying to address an issue. I don't do art just for doing sake. So before I considered myself as an art therapist. An art therapist? Yes, okay. because I had uh, knowledge or I learned. I went to school to learn color psychology, so I considered myself as a therapist. And I, w I had wanted to work in a hospital right after school. And before I completed school, I had the chance to teach my colleagues. And that actually motivated me or influenced me to become a teacher because I enjoyed teaching. I realized whilst I was teaching, I was re-educating myself. I was actually doing it for free. Okay. Because I felt I was rather helping myself and not them. So that's why I'm studying to be a teacher now. 
Okay. And how, how were you able to survive when you were teaching for, for free at that time? I was making paintings to sell as well. Okay. So I'm a multidisciplinary uh, artist mm-hmm. and I do photography, I do plumbing and other commercial arts. I actually studied commercial arts, so I try not to limit myself. I explore all sorts of media. And I was seeing my work. I actually had uh, separated my paintings from other artworks because I saw the paintings to be so dear to me, like something which needs time to mature. But the plumbing and other stuff were enhanced paintings. I was doing all this for survival. Okay. Just to feed myself. Okay. Yeah. And did you, so did you, you felt like you kind of made a, I don't know, some kind of distinction between this, your art practice and this work practice, even though you were using some of the same skills to, to some degree? To some degree, painter. yes. Yeah. Uh, there is a distinction. And yes, of course, I never documented all these things until. 2018 when I was I started to build biofill toilets for friends they actually paid and okay. some were free but I started to document these things interesting to keep in my uh, portfolio the process of building the biofill toilets wow but before there was a distinction I was seeing it I was seeing some as art okay. and some for business. Uh, what actually helped me to understand the distinction was because I, I was making more money from the other side, my commercial stuff, and the others were used as therapy, not just for others, but for me as well. Because when I need money, I sit behind my canvas and I paint mm-hmm. and I kill stress. So that was how I, I started to see some as art and some as business, like the distinction. How did you, did, did you find that the, the topics that you were painting were different between the two? It's really interesting. Yes, they were different. They were really different because I was dealing with my indigenous practices. I was trying to relate some concepts to images which were actually different from what I was thinking they would be. I fancied the body, especially female bodies. That was when I started to discover like how my level of sexuality, I don't know how to say it, how my feelings could rise, like I was exploring more of my sexuality, so Mm -hmm. the male gaze, which I didn't know before, and I was relating them to my indigenous traditional practices, things that I see normal in my society. When you go, even here, like, they leave their breasts, they bare chest open, mm-hmm. and they just have this wrapper. 
no panties and they don't care. It's normal in the society. But when I saw them to be normal too, but I worshipped the female body because I felt uh, the gateway to other worlds, wherever babies come from, no one knows. But science proved it's true sex. But the soul, what about the soul? Where is it coming from? So it's another world which the woman is there. It's like a God, like they create beings and only God is the creator. So that was how I saw things before. And I was trying to relate these things to my immediate environment, how ladies and later on people started to talk to me about, do I know about the male gaze? Do I know about this and that? And I was like, yeah, I started to read more and I engaged, I involved myself in my practice and not just drawing uh, women. But every time I painted stuff like that, I was like, okay, I felt more relaxed, healed in a way. I never thought about money. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I need money, so I have to work. And so, and most of these paintings I made, I never saw them. They're there, they're still there. It's over four years now. And I, I, I even have some dating from 2012 and 13. And that's when you began these paintings, was in around that time, or were you painting earlier in life? I was drawing, but I was afraid to apply paint on the surface. I was always afraid of making mistakes. Really? So I was so careful not to paint and make a mistake. Mm. But 2013 was when I started to explore paint. And 14, 15, I was painting through school. Mm. I had to go on my own. What made you feel like you wanted to go to art school? Already I was working as an art. Uh, I was working for Samsung Ghana. Samsung Ghana as their studio artist. And they already knew, they believed in me. And they thought I had left, I had completed the university. But I had not back then. So I was so scared they would find out I had no degree. So I was worried about myself and I was like, no, no more. I have to go to school now. I see. So I went to build on. But I never thought of, I, I didn't have any other ideas, but the ideas kept, kept coming when I was in school, what to do next, what to do next. So it was through this school, I had the interest of teaching because I was teaching other students. As a younger person, did, did you have a moment where you felt like, I'm an artist, or I have an art practice, or I am making art? Yes, I always did. I always did because I remember uh, in my early years, should I say when I was 12 or 13, I was drawing Jesus on the cross from this uh, children's book. I was making copies and everyone would say, oh, you're a great artist. So these praises they were saying to me made me believe 
I was really an artist, so I kept saying to myself, I'm an artist. I just walk in a space and I tell people, well, what are you? I'm an artist. Beautiful. <laughs> it seems like half the battle sometimes to just accept but yourself. My, my parents never loved the idea of me becoming an artist because they felt there's no future I see. doing art in Ghana. And it's still the same with everyone, not just me. But now it's changing because we're introducing new things. We're having artists uh, from different countries trying to have events happening in these spaces, mm-hmm. especially the festivals we have. They have been uh, have ha, ha, that that have been happening in Accra, and a lot of people visit these spaces to see what's happening and. The minds are changing towards the old perception, the, the, what they thought art was before. What about being a worker, just a body who's like earning? When did that begin for you? Uh, I think right after secondary school. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to work for anybody because I was, because you, it's like you enrolling to be a slave. Yeah, you're never paid well. And you work more than the owner. Yeah. Yeah, more than everybody else, but you still paid less. And they make more money. And the thing is, you never have time to do what you want to do for yourself because you leave the house as early as possible, like just not to be late to work. And you come home and you're tired. You have to sleep. You can't even cook for yourself. You buy food from outside. Yeah. So it's I, I thought of all these things and I was like, no, I I won't be a slave to anyone. So I was making portraits back then. Okay. Realistic portraits for money. And people would commission you kind of Yeah, people would commission. Even if nobody commissions me, I still sit in indoor and draw just to put them in my walls. And I was satisfied enough for this. But it was really good to do this because when I did that, people saw what I was making and I had no commissions coming. And I noticed how much I compared to my colleagues, how much they were making each month and how much I was making a week. You mean like your colleagues who were doing normal jobs? Who were doing normal jobs. I see. Yes, so I, 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 and I was like, no, I'll never work for anybody. Seems like you were also lucky to have like, you, that you went for your dream and you kind of yeah. were able yeah. to do it. I didn't really dream. I didn't know what was happening then. Mm-hmm. But things kept happening. And it seems to be good, and I don't regret ever choosing this path. Yeah, absolutely not. Yes. Did you um, have time as well to do your paintings that were not portraiture that you were yeah, also kind of more interested in or something that was also driving you in a different way? Yeah, yeah. So, like I was saying, uh, I began to do paint my indigenous traditions to document uh, the practices that seem to be fading away now because they are demonizing 
all the traditional practices because due to religious uh, beliefs. Yes, so I was like some 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 uh, traditional practices are more important to to have and not just disappear because if you don't know your history you get lost it will be hard for you to know the real truth mm -hmm. where you're going you don't know where you're coming from so where you would never know where you're going or where you want to reach so i started to document these things in my paintings just to show but i was putting myself in i was adding what i felt was right like for me recently i had a performance and i'm still experimenting on these performances which i was like i was going to propose i was looking at how the society is defying what we should become our society is defying for us what we should do dictating us there are certain spaces i cannot go there with my hair even no matter how nice i look how formal i i appear they still put this stereotype thing on me wow i just had no idea about that yes it's like that is that especially in ghana or is that in other countries and around in africa well, even mm -hmm. in jamaica some part, places in jamaica they don't they see they have this dreadlock thing to yeah they see some people who who have it with different meaning it depends on how you carry yourself in jamaica but here they just tag everyone with dreadlocks but if you're a foreigner like you're a white person with dreadlocks you come to a space you want to do the same thing i wanted to do you may be permitted because of the white privilege thing. Crazy. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, just for some context, like a little bit about your indigenous tradition or your root, indigenous roots and how that connects to dreadlocks? Um, my, my father is a traditionalist. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't believe in the church. And it doesn't really have a connection. Okay. But a priest, a priest who believe in their ancestors, this is how they leave their hair. They don't shave. And it's more natural. They don't really believe. It was the church thing that brought about the hair shavings and looking nice. Yeah, because they feel when you look good, uh, your moral like your moral life too is different. So with this traditional stuff, that's where I see the link with the dreadlocks. So they demonize if they don't demonize you, they link you to uh violence or gang or they want you to appear in a certain way. They want you to talk in a second setting way. Like how they want me to shave my hair and present myself to the kids in school. And you, you cannot really do what you want for yourself. No. 
how are you feeling now about this job? Because you said you really like teaching, but at the same time, they're trying to... Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, uh, one woman was like, she wants to go talk to the board. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. It's okay. I don't want you, I don't want to put you in trouble. Like, they may say you have something to do with me. Like, like there's something going on. I think maybe we have something, we share something in common, so... I didn't want her to risk her position for me. Okay. Yes, I told her. And she was like, what if they want to suck me? And I said, I'll gladly leave if they do. Okay. Yeah. And it's because I know this is not the first time I faced this. Even when I started to grow, my hair was from 2013. 2013? Yes. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, all my friends were, oh, no, you don't have to do this. Don't talk to me again if you wear this. After one year, the same people came and they were like, you look good. I like your hair. Wow. Nice hair. Can we take a picture? And I overlooked all these. I didn't really consider them to be... Uh, something that could disturb me because I'm a free being. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about stuff. I just overlook them. So when this woman said all these things, she was so worried about me. And I was like, no, don't worry. It's part of my career. Okay. As an artist, I have to confront these things myself. Mm. I have to experience these things that's happening in this particular space. This suck me is a record. Yes. That is said. If they don't, it means I've been able to change the system for other people who were dreadlocks to also come to the space and teach yeah. art. Yeah. But if they really suck me, I will deal with it. I will just leave. And I am getting my certificate. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a teacher in that school. I don't want to work for anyone. Right. Like I told you before. Right. I want to have my own space. Because even now the kids are all over me. They're asking me, do you offer classes? Do you offer drawing classes? I'm like, yes. Cool. I do. But I cannot do it now because other teachers will get jealous. <laughs> I just came and I cannot do it now. <laughs> I have to wait because they're planning to kick me. <laughs> They get jealous, I get the money, and they're, they've been there for years, and there's nothing for them. And I'm making money as well, so... You are. This is what I was going to ask, is because you mentioned you have to work for your, for your degree, and sometimes when you're getting your degree, they don't pay you in these jobs. You know, you kind of have to take these internship jobs. Yeah. At least in Europe, they do this a lot. Do you... But you get paid for this? No, it's free. And they still want to kick me out. So you don't get paid at all? I don't get teaching. paid at all. Jesus. And I spend money every day, up and down. And they don't pay for that? Nobody pays. What? Yeah. That's really, that's really messed up. <laughs> I hate the system of the internship thing. That's oh, like, it's yeah, fine. you have to get your uh, practice. How do you feel about it, this, this idea? For me, it's uh, a whole new experience. People have experienced it and they've 
I've had the stories, but it's not the same as you experiencing it yourself. I don't mind. If once I experience it, I can also tell somebody how it works. For me, when I get my studio, I just need my license now uh, as an art educator so I can have my studio space, a big space to teach art. So once I get the license, I start to work towards space and maybe Perhaps I may own a school, an art school with teachers with dreadlocks. <laughs> you only hire people with dreadlocks. Yes. <laughs> no dreadlocks, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel like um, you're able to do sort of some art therapy in your teaching itself? Or how does that still figure into the work? Uh, I Even today, I was drawing on the board and I was using the basic shapes. I like to demonstrate a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was using the basic shapes to show them how you can make simple drawings. Mm-hmm. So you want to draw a spoon. How do you, what what kind of shapes do you see in it? Okay. So first, the basic shape is a circle, and then you subtract, and then the handle is more like a rectangle, elongated rectangle, and... You have to subtract and add and get the whole spoon. And they started to clap and they're like, we didn't know this. <laughs> nobody taught us this. <laughs> We've been here for years and nobody taught us this. And I'm like, yes, it's... <laughs> you just have to relate everything you see with basic shapes. I try to make things easier. Like, how do you specifically relate your practice of art therapy into this this class? It's a technical class. It's a system. Mm-hmm. They have what they're supposed to learn. So me, as a teacher, mm-hmm. have to devise a way or means to put these therapeutic things in my teaching skill, like, so each subject I have to teach, mm-hmm. I have to find a way to put these things in it. So when you're explaining to them, that's when I try to make it more therapeutic and more reasonable for them to understand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make them laugh. How do you feel that sexuality is involved in your work as a as a body, as a person in the room, being watched or watching, does it ever come into your mind around the idea of sexual, the sexuality? The last work I did, mm-hmm. before now, uh, I was actually dealing with my sexual desires. So I had to do a performance with another body and we looked eye to eye and it was about we wanting each other, but we're trying to say no, we're not, we don't want each other, we're controlling it. No, nothing else. And I titled it Facing the Wind mm-hmm. because we get blown, we get carried away with things. Mm-hmm. Society says, do this, and majority of the, the mass, the, the society are all moving same direction. So how many people will say no, will be able to say no, I'm not going. 
Yes, so that was what facing the wind, trying to control our sexual desires. And my later work, I, I also used my body, like the way I paint. I, I called it lead me. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you take me, I follow. Uh-huh. Because I, I don't have a choice. Used myself, I presented myself. But I wrapped my head. Why did you wrap your head? I was looking at the part where, shoot, I have my head covered, like the way I dressed in suit. Uh-huh. And somebody dressed like casual. And we stand, and then we have our head covered. Who so do you think the, the school board would choose <laughs> as a perfect teacher for their school? Right. Yes. <laughs> so this time it was uh, just me, like nude, totally nude, but head wrapped. Would you say no to the body you see before you? Mm-hmm. You would go for it without even thinking how the head looks like. Mm-hmm. Does he have beard or no? No beard. Piercings, no. Because she don't see. I, s- I see my body as a tool, not just my canvas, and it's a body. So it's a tool for art, creating art, for activism. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it will change things. It will make things right. Like the school issue, if I'm accepted with my hair, the hair is part of my body, you know. So if once I'm accepted, I've opened doors for other people to also come with their hair. You've been listening to a conversation with multimedia artist Onso, which we had at Perfocre's International Artist Residency in Kumasi, Ghana. Onso is a plethora, working between photography, videography, performance, painting, and sculpture. You'll find more about his work in the show notes. I'm Mad Kate, and you've been listening to Sweat, a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body in work. The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. If you're interested in exploring more of the themes discussed in Sweat around the relationship between work, art, creativity, extractivism, theatrics, and performativity, you might consider joining Hyena's reading group called Art and Extractivism. The reading group was founded by myself and Adrian Teicher. We meet weekly in Berlin and online via Discord. The two of us decided that we wanted to engage with more critical theory in our artwork, but needed the help of others to do so through a process of slow reading. We try to take into account the fact that we are coming from outside of the academy and have all different relationships to English as we read carefully and critically together. More information can be found in the show notes. Sweat now premieres once a month on Collaboradio, Free Radio Berlin, Brandenburg. You can listen to it first there every second Tuesday of the month at 
1 p.m. Central European time. If you like this podcast, please leave it a positive review and recommend it to your loved ones. Thanks so much. Until next time.